Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. The angel was sent from God to which town? This town. This town. This is the hick. This is the hick. You see it downstairs. Et verbum caro hick factum est. The word was made flesh here. I was thinking at the beginning of Mass, St. Paul in his letter to the Philippians, he quotes a hymn where he says, Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself. Anybody know the word there in Greek for emptied? Kenosis. Kenosis. He emptied himself. Not vaguely into nothing, but into her. Mary, we could say, is the the locus and the focus of God's kenosis. She's the place. She is the place where he emptied himself. Why would he do that? Because love does such things. There's a madness to love. Love thrusts us towards things that are so huge that are beyond us. Love makes us say things like forever. Love doesn't ever want a little bit. Love wants the totality. Love wants everything. Right? It's the same love of God that every springtime scatters trillions of seeds to the earth. Little signs of his life-giving love. There's a madness to God's love. There's a real madness to God's love. What we're glimpsing today, friends, is it's the heart of the mystery. It's the heart of the mystery, and it's, it's too good to be true. It's too much to take in. It's too much to take in. Because what we're glimpsing today in the places that we're going, that we've been to, that we're here now and we're gonna go to, What we're glimpsing is what St. Paul referred to as the great mystery, the musterion mega in the Greek, the great mystery. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Paul is quoting Genesis. Then he says this, this is a great mystery. But I speak in reference to Christ and the church. See, what Paul saw in all of his contemplation, what he saw was that what God did in the beginning when he created us male and female in the beginning, the genius of our masculinity and femininity, complementarity, man, woman, marriage, that whole earthly reality was a great sign, a prophetic icon that was going to point to the fullness of what God intended for our humanity. That he's not just simply interested in like a friendly relationship with you. Like, have you ever paused to wonder or ask yourself, one, like, where is, where is this discipleship thing going? Like, where's this headed? Have you ever paused to ask how much he wants of me?
He wants everything. This is why the analogy above all the analogies and all the scriptures that is prized above the others is the spousal analogy, the marital analogy. That yes, Jesus is like a shepherd and we are like the dumb sheep. We've been hearing about how dumb the sheep are. Yes, fine. He's like a rock. Fine. He's like a door. Fine. But when he's really peeling back the layers of his heart to tell us who he is and what this whole Christianity relationship business is, he, he whispers, he says, it's like a marriage. It's like a marriage. The identity that he takes on is that of the bridegroom. John the Baptist, when he's explaining who he is, John the Baptist says, I'm the Shosh Beam, I'm the best man. I'm preparing Israel to meet the bridegroom. And all those long centuries of Israel's history, of the preparation, what God was doing, beginning in that fateful day in the garden when humanity, when we were supposed to be his bride, we were supposed to be in this posture of perfect openness before God. Through sin, we closed ourselves. We closed ourselves. And so instead of just doing the etch-a-sketch to creation, he acted. He came in mercy and through covenants and through prophets and through grace. He's slowly wooing the heart of the bride. On the bus, Dan, you, you quoted, was it, who is it that says, you've duped me, O God, I've let myself be duped. Which prophet is that? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. You know what the actual word is? You've seduced me. Seduced me. It's a very different connotation. You've seduced me. This day is all about marriage. The Annunciation, the mystery that we are in the heart of, is the mystery of heaven and earth being wedded together. If you've ever been to the Easter Vigil, the exultant that gets chanted at the beginning of the Easter Vigil, you hear the deacon or the priest chant, in this night, O Holy Father, where things of heaven are wed to those of earth, the divine to the human, like, of all the places, of all the things that Jesus could have done for his first miracle, is it any wonder that he was at a wedding feast and he fulfilled the role of the bridegroom by providing the wine? Because that was the job of the bridegroom. Make sure there was enough booze for the party. Not a lot has changed. <laughs> what we glimpse in this mystery, in this place, this is where heaven and earth kissed. The church fathers, they referred to Mary's womb as the mystical bridal chamber where the bridegroom and humanity, the bride, become one flesh. Right? Jesus isn't part God and part man. He is true God and true man. In his very person, he is the marriage of heaven and earth. In his very person, he's the marriage of heaven and earth. I know every time we go to Mass, we're, we are mystically transported back to the Last Supper. We are mystically transported to Golgotha. We are mystically transported back to, into the throne room of glory. And we are mystically brought inside Mary's womb where we witness the Annunciation happen over and over and over again. Because what's going to happen? Earth represented by bread and wine is going to be placed upon this altar, right? To say bread, to say wine is to re reference 
wheat and grape. And to say wheat and grape is to reference vine and branch and soil and sun and air and atmosphere and the entire cosmos. The entire cosmos symbolized by bread and wine is placed on this altar. And then what are we going to do? We're going to call down the Holy Spirit. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Like, look up for a second. The lily that is this dome, this upside-down lily. What you're going to see on this altar is another lily, another flower in the shape of a chalice. And what's going to be called down upon the openness of the chalice that represents the bride, the church, the superabundant fertility of God's Holy Spirit. What do we say? The Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of divine life. Divine life. The mystery of the Annunciation is to be recapitulated in the heart of every single disciple, of every single believer. We are meant to look like pregnant people. I don't mean physically. But this is, yeah, shawarma. (laughs) What I mean is this. That to see a pregnant woman is to know that this person has experienced deep intimacy with a bridegroom, with another. She's opened herself to receive and conceive. A whole new kind of life is being generated in you. The womb is the icon of the heart. The womb is the icon of the heart. We are meant to be gestating, if you will, the presence of Christ in us. This is why Paul said things like, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The wedding feast of Cana, the mystery of marriage, the transfiguration, what we see is the full realization of divinity and humanity coming together. I bet if you were to see the woman in the book of Revelation clothed in the sun with the moon under her feet and stars on her head, she would have looked a lot like Jesus in the transfiguration. Mary is what humanity is meant to be. She's not the outlier. She's the, she's the norm. We're the aberration. This is why we look to her and say, you are our life, our sweetness, and our hope. If she's not what we're meant to be, how could she be our hope? She's what we're destined to be. So friends, in this Mass, with the few moments that we have left, open your hearts. Pope Benedict said you can summarize the entire mission of Jesus with that one word that he spoke to the deaf man, the mute man, where he breathed on him and he put his fingers in his ears and he said, Ephatha, be opened. That's the bridegroom. That's the bridegroom who comes like in the Song of Songs, knocking on the door of the bride, saying, open to me. My sister, my bride, open to me. There are parts of your hearts and my heart that have stayed closed to him. It's the ugly parts, the shameful parts, the dead parts. Friends, those are not the places you need to keep from him. Those are the places you most need to open to him. The most fertile places you have in you are the dead places, the rotting places, the shameful places, the scary places. Those are your tombs that he wants to turn into gardens. That's the place where you get to hold mercy in you. 
So like the lily, like the chalice, like Our Lady, like the mystical rose, the garden enclosed, open. Open to Him. Amen.